second edition of Stick a Fork in It. We're locked in the warehouse again, Matt. I know. It's, it is what it is. It is what it is to be back. You know I'm going to be ready to be on the road again soon. Right, <laughs> on the road again. Doing, doing. Okay, anyway, we have, I'm really excited about our guest. We know you're going to introduce her because, yes. uh, you know, I had just started. Mm-hmm. She was here briefly. <laughs> amazing person. But what we're going to talk about actually has brought a lot of things to light for me. It'll be a whole other conversation on yeah. another day. But It's a super important topic, and it's something really. that affects everybody we serve. I mean, it, it just has this incredibly wide impact that we wouldn't realize. So she's probably going to share some numbers with us that will really yeah. surprise folks. Yeah. And uh, – I, I just think it'll open people's eyes to to a part of our world we might not always recognize is happening around us. Right, and we really want you to listen in, and uh, you know we're going to get as much in as we can, but really go to their website, think about it. We want you to reach out to our yes, guests, be and part then, of it, part of the solution, folks. right? And reach out to us too if you have any questions. Of course, uh, we have our contacts um, on our feedingtampabay.org backslash podcast and you can reach out to us and ask us any questions we encourage you to engage with us we want to hear from you so do enjoy this next segment of stick a fork in it okay here we go guys we're back for a rather normal episode we've had a couple of unique ones we've been off site we're back to the food bank Um, and speaking of coming back we have somebody, a pretty fun guest with us today, mm-hmm. who is coming yeah, back to the fan. food bank. Especially on Twitter. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Lots, lots of fun on Twitter. But uh, this is somebody who has to come back because she's left us before. She abandoned us. Rude. <laughs> Dead. Right? So For this job. Former <laughs> colleague, <laughs> current partner. Welcome, Sarah. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm excited yeah. to be here. You know, I love feeding Tampa Bay. Yeah. tour. Well... Yeah, because your husband works here now, too. <laughs> he does. It's That's a family right. I mean, thing. It's, I, yeah, feeding Tampa Bay was a thing before I worked us. here. It's, it's been in my life for 14 years now because of him. <laughs> right? Yeah, we were talking the other day and trying to figure out who had been at feeding Tampa Bay longer than your husband. Jack. Oh, Jack yeah. is the only yeah. person wow. in our entire organization of 100 whatever employees that we have who's been associated with feeding Tampa Bay Longer than Chris Couture. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Wow. And it t- only took us 14 years to steal him away from his former <laughs> right, employer. Officially. And hire, actually hire him. Officially. <laughs> I know. It, it, I mean, what a present for Kathy Wetzel. That's she was right. so yeah. excited. That's right. So Chris runs all of our IT and, yes. and that whole area. But Sarah, you were here before Chris officially as an employee. Tell us what you did when you were here. Yeah, so I was on the best team (laughs) that's here at Feeding Tampa Bay, the programs team. Obviously, you didn't didn't need to elaborate, we knew. (laughs) I I, I know you all know, but I I thought I'd let the listeners know that that the programs team is the best team to be on at uh, Feeding Tampa Bay, and uh, it's wild how big it's gotten. Yeah, I think you were employee number four of the programs team, is that right, or five? So when I left, we were just talking about this, just trying to figure it out. I think you've had five of us reporting yeah. to you. And now it's 46. So I asked. I said, <laughs> I said, I feel like it's it was an explosion. And and I I couldn't get a number when I asked HR. I said, How many how many people does he have? And it was 
<laughs> and so, yeah, that, that's just wild to me. Yeah. Exciting. Mm-hmm. So exciting. Yeah. Yeah, um, so there's now 46 on the team, and that's not even counting Fresh Force students when they're here. <sighs> yeah. So you could throw another 24 on there right now because we have Rotating. a Fresh Force class going yep. through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's just wild. But, but to answer your question that I didn't answer, uh, I w- did the SNAP outreach program. So kind of got that up and running and... Uh, I think it's awesome. Rochelle seems to have just run with that and it's, you know, reaching so many people, helping them. Um, and, uh, when I left, uh, Fresh Force was just getting launched. Mike had just started. And so it's amazing to me to see like where you are, you know, I had, we had applied for a grant that Shannon got sucked into, uh, dealing with after I left that I think was what, Correct me if I'm wrong, that led to this. It was the uh, radio that you and Nicole did down in yes. oh, Sun yes. City yes. Center. Sun City, right. and that's what led to the podcast. That's yes. Absolutely. Yes, <laughs> we, had, we had just gotten that grant, and I left to take uh, this job at Find Some Fees Justice Center. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and look at us now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I want to dwell on it for a moment because you were part of a, a really big moment for us as a food bank. You know, when you were on the programs team, we were really still just building out our philosophy around what programs would be. And, you know, we had we had a theory organizationally that we had an incredible opportunity, right, that folks come to us for food. But more people touch our world than any other social service. And we weren't really taking advantage of that moment to help people move beyond the next week, right? We could provide somebody with a hot meal. We could provide somebody with groceries for a week. But it was really what you started with the SNAP team that got us into ending hunger. So how, what was that like just to be at the at the very beginning of things? Yeah, it's... It, it, I would say I'm honored that, you know, you think that I uh, did so much at that level, right, at that time, um, because I'm just amazed at where you are now. And, you know, I wasn't here a full year. Um, it was about nine months. And so I feel like, you know, I, I kind of started, you know, got some things in place. But like I said, I think Rochelle really, like, really built that out and, oh, yeah, yeah. and made much it better successful. Now. Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally, you know, successful. You got it started, though. So I, I got it started, but I think, like, in doing that, realized, like, how much Feeding Tampa Bay needed to do beyond what we were already doing, right? Yeah. yeah. And how much opportunity there was to help people. Um, and what did that look like, right? Yeah. Um, it can well, come in so many forms. Right. And I think it really does tie in with what you're doing now, which we'll get to, you know, of course, because there's, there is a reason you're here <laughs> other than nostalgia. But, you know, the idea that the folks that we serve are not there by choice. You know, nobody wants to be food insecure and, and in a line, at, you know, receiving food relief assistance. That's, that's not anybody's vision board for their life. Right. <laughs> and so, um, there are so many intertwined pieces 
Um, you, you mentioned that Mike and, and the team that has built out Fresh Force, our job training program, um, came on board right as you were moving back into the criminal justice world. And I think there's a really important connector there because we were able to move our side of it forward as you're moving your side of it forward. Right. Um, and I think that's really neat, which I'm sure we will dive into later, but I am actually looking at my notes from Shannon Hannah, <laughs> and, which makes what? me aware that what we're supposed mean? to talk about food first. Well, we're supposed to get to know, let the listener get to know Sarah better because we know her. That's right. So <laughs> we want the listener to understand more about her and her husband. So we just want to know about you. Yeah. So you know, we know that you are here. Yeah. But really justice has been your heart really from a young age all the way back to college, maybe even before. Yeah. What brought you to that? So I my first job was I worked for an oil and natural gas company in uh, Oklahoma City uh, for seven years. Uh, started when I was in high school, worked through college, and uh, then I met one Chris Couture. We were in a wedding together um, <laughs> at Clearwater Beach, and he was the best man. I was a bridesmaid and uh, didn't give him the time of day <laughs> that, that weekend, but uh, we connected back over MySpace. So that's how far back wow. we're going. Oh. We had a MySpace. Listener, so, for those of you who've never heard of it, <laughs> yeah. MySpace came before Facebook yeah. and was a similar style of uh, community building yeah. uh, social networking app that is long since defunct. Yeah. R.I.P. So, Tom. Every, everybody was, you know, all the wedding party was connecting and everything. And so we started talking and... Um, he asked uh, the bride if he could have my number. And I was like, oh, I don't know. Cause he had a date that weekend. So I was uh, like, ooh, not gonna like yeah. mess that up. And so she got some intel and figured out it was just a date for that weekend. And so um, uh, we started talking, visited a few times. So we met in May, I moved here in October. Cause who wants to move to Oklahoma? They have like mm -hmm. wild weather. Like yeah. one of your other guests, Ian Adair, like he's a former Oklahoman too. Like mm -hmm. he can yes. attest to it. He's not there, right? He's yeah, not he's here, here. Oh yeah, so, once we heard visiting Clearwater Beach, we knew yeah, what was yeah. going to follow. Yeah. That's fair. Yep. <laughs> and so when I moved down here, there's not an oil and natural gas industry. Hmm. So right. what am I gonna do? And so I looked at, you know, what I had my bachelor's, so I went to HCC and got my paralegal certificate. And um, I, you know, thought that was interesting. Didn't want to work at a law firm, so I got a job at the courthouse and uh, worked with people who um, were filing for divorce that don't have an attorney. Uh, so they're called pro se litigants. And so worked with them to help them through the process without giving. Um, legal advice because uh, don't want to commit mm -hmm. <laughs> any break any laws and give any <laughs> unsupervised legal advice so did that and then I got a job working with the judges as a paralegal mm -hmm. and in that position I really got interested kind of in because of what I was able to see and work on um, going I went back to school and I went to Michigan State remotely and got my master's in judicial administration and in that doing that I was exposed to, I had to write a lot of papers and do a lot of research. And I was exposed to kind of the injustices of the, well, not kind of, but the <laughs> injustices of the system. Yeah. And 
it really was something that I kind of got to the point where I was like, I personally can't be in the system anymore contributing to this. Mm. I want to fix it. And I, I thought I could fix it on the inside, right? I had this positive, like, oh, I can, you know, get in court administration <laughs> and make these positive changes. Mm. And I quickly realized that that was not a reality. Mm. And so I um, came here. Um, because like I said, I was, you know, morally, I just couldn't be there anymore. And so, um, never thought that I would have the opportunity to do criminal justice reform in Florida. Most of those jobs are based in DC or New York city. Right. And so, um, was working here with Matt, loved it. And then, uh, friend of mine, when I was at the court, I was on a board of directors for the National Association for Court Management, and a friend of mine sent a posting for this job. And it was one of those things that it was like, if I don't apply for it, I'm going to regret it for the rest of my life. And then I got it, and I was (laughs) horridly, like, shocked that I got it. I remember, like, talking to Matt and Thomas and just crying. And Well, and I think it tells a great story about who we are here, the type of people who are successful in this organization are people who are passionate about justice, who are passionate about helping people. And so, you know, a lot of us could see this being a lifelong thing. And I think you did when you were here. Um, But those passions will lead us in all sorts of interesting directions. And, you know, your passion for working with people who are struggling through the system it had a home here and it also has a home where you are now and, and you just, you get to affect things in a different way. And so I don't see it as a departure. I see it as a natural continuation of the mission that we share. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because so when I was working in, um, at feeding Tampa Bay and sitting with people and, helping them fill out SNAP applications, because by the way, that's not easy. Mm. Right. I literally, and anybody who's done it, (laughs) have had to go to training with the Department of Children and Families to help people. And you get told like tricks, right, of going through, because if you don't do something correctly, it won't let you pass to the next phase. Mm. That's not written on the online like application where people in theory can go and do this themselves. But for the fact that it's so horrible and hard to do that you need people Mm. like Rochelle's team Mm -hmm. to help people fill it out, which is ridiculous. (laughs) But, you know, hearing their stories, because you, you, you have to ask a lot of personal questions and people will open up and just hearing what people are experiencing, you know, it's heartbreaking. And, you know, one of the things like to Matt's point that he made earlier about people never plan to be here. It's one of the top things every time I would fill out, help somebody fill out an application. I never thought I'd be doing this. I never thought I'd be here. Right. And here's why, you know, and they explain, they open up to you. Um, And so now to have like all these other resources that they can say, you know, like, you know, I'm, I'm glad, you know, to help you with this. I want to inform you, like, we have all of these programs available and all these different resources now. Like, that's amazing. Founded by a father and son duo, the Frank Crum Professional Employer Organization was created all the way back in 1981 with the purpose of helping small business owners succeed. 
The Crumb family and employees have a loyal history of supporting Trinity Cafe and the mission of feeding Tampa Bay through volunteering and fundraising. And their annual Invitational Golf Event and Employees Jeans Day has raised over $1.7 million that they've donated to helping neighbors in need. We can't wait to see how many meals the sold-out 2022 golf event will provide for Tampa Bay. As always, we thank Frank Crumb for their generous support. It's great to see now, as we learn more, we can do more, mm-hmm. right? As as we understand the deeper issues that, that are underlying a lot of these challenges that our neighbors are facing, we can help address those. And so I love the idea that we have a pantry at the clerk of court's office now. Mm-hmm. I love that we can walk with people beyond the application. And as I'm sure you're going to share at some point in this conversation, instead of just letting the tension build, (laughs) um, there are reasons why people are ineligible for some supports. Yes. And, uh, and that really can be incredibly frustrating because you see someone sitting in front of you who, you know, needs food and being able to have, the support to get a meal or a bag of groceries or snap assistance where they can go into a store just like any one of us and shop with the same dignity that we shop with opening up possibilities for their future and having that, uh, having a barrier thrown in their way is just, it's so heartbreaking. It is. Yeah, absolutely. It just do, it it doesn't make it's it's cruel too. It is right. Yeah. It, it's, it is. It's heartbreaking, but it's also cruel because it's it's food and it's someone's survival. Mm-hmm. Well, and I've been thinking a, a lot about so yesterday, Sarah and I um, were in a board meeting together. We we serve on the board for an organization called People Empowering and Restoring Communities, and it's a it's an organization that does incredible work uh, in the reentry field, right? Returning citizens, as we call them, people coming back from incarceration or or other brushes with the law, and just understanding the myriad of challenges people face as they try to successfully re-enter society and become a tax-paying, job-holding contributor to their neighborhood. I mean, that's what everybody wants. Mm-hmm. Whether it's the, the person who's uh, committed the, the crime or the offense, the uh, person who was victimized by it, the community that uh, deals with both sides of it, we all want people to be able to be productive members of society, right? And and so it's so hard when you think about the the balance that the justice system has to deal with between appropriate consequence and what is retribution versus rehabilitation and how that all plays out. I mean, th- those are some deep philosophical questions I don't think we're going to solve today in <laughs> right. a 45-minute oh. podcast. Right. I think we this. <laughs> But the fortunate thing is we don't have to. (laughs) It would be. You know, we get to deal with it on the ground. Right. On a face-to-face level um, on a daily basis here. And then Sarah has kind of taken it up a notch. Yeah. And so you're dealing with the policy implications of it. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So (laughs) little did I exactly know what I was getting into. I think Matt did because Matt had (laughs) Matt started in policy um, yep. back in the day. So um, we've had some chats a couple times <laughs> since um, about policy work. Um, but yeah, so 
Fines and Fees Justice Center, um, we were created to focus on the issue of fines and fees in the criminal justice system. We're very niche in what we do, right? So um, our co-directors, uh, when they started us, we're, we're pretty young, so we're a little over four years old now. Um, no, they saw that no one organization was focused just on this issue, and they saw it being a big need. And so we started out, and our first big policy reform that we've worked on is ending driver's license suspensions for unpaid court debt. So when you get assessed fines and fees, if you aren't able to pay those, um, they suspend your driver's license. So, which is, most people are like, what? <laughs> because it doesn't make sense, right? Because how do you get to work yeah. to uh, make money to then pay those fines and fees? Yeah. You, you know, because here in Florida, particularly, <laughs> public transportation is a joke. <laughs> yeah. Very and, challenging. Yeah. So people continue to drive um, to survive, mm. to get to work, take their kids to um, school, go to health appointments, shop for groceries, get food. Yeah. And it's hours. You guys have a very powerful video on your website mm. um, that I really it was really, um, really powerful. Mm. Very well put together. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it just highlights. Uh, a lot of people, if you haven't experienced it yourself or have a family member, don't realize that this happens. But it really just causes this snowball that gets mm -hmm. people just stuck. Because like I said, people continue to drive, which is illegal. So you get, if you get pulled over, it's a charge called driving while license suspended. So you get additional fees, mm -hmm. additional fines. Well, an arrest sometimes. An arrest sometimes, Goodness. yeah. And so... It just snowballs and people can't get out from underneath it. And so our whole point is, is give people their license so they have the ability to, um, to work, uh, right. you know, and it's just some, the argument I hear a lot of the time and it just like is so frustrating is people are like, well, you know, it's punishment. They should have done it in the first place. And it's like their license was suspended, not for the crime they committed or the offense. It's because of poverty. Mm -hmm. You're criminalizing that, the poverty. Um, so there's no, there's nothing taken into account. Um, like your personal situation is not taken into account when you're assessed these fines and fees in Florida. It is very much in statute. Judges don't have a lot of discretion mm. and it's pretty mandatory. It's a one size fits all punishment that isn't actually one size fits all. A hundred percent. That's mm. a wonderful description. Yes. One size fits all punishment that mm. doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> and so people just get stuck. And so that's my biggest thing is, you know, overcoming that punishment argument, like from people. Well, it's one of those things where when you, when we work with who we work with and, and do the kinds of things we do, it's so important to talk about second and third order consequences of decisions, right? Because the idea that you're creating a, a negative loop that is really, really hard to get out of. If you can't afford to pay a fine, you lose your ability to earn money and get more fines, 
does not make you more likely to be able to pay the original fines. It makes you far less likely, which creates further negative consequences. Mm-hmm. And those are, you know, those are those kind of downstream consequences that have to be considered when we think about the work that we do. And I think at Feeding Tampa Bay, we're getting better and better about thinking long-term and thinking downstream. Um, it's why we have healthcare partnerships. It's right. It's why we do SNAP assistance and the other benefits work that we do. But helping other people think that way, I don't have to tell you because it's what you do every day, but that can be a real challenge to think yep. beyond the immediate, you know, someone did something wrong, therefore I'm going to punish them. Mm-hmm. And, well, if that punishment has a further negative consequence, you're actually harming yourself mm-hmm. just as much. And, 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 they, and in Florida particularly, they really are harming themselves. And I say they because it's in the Florida statutes that this is – you know, mandated, right? So really, you should say we. Yeah, I was going to say we. Well, I, yeah. was, I was saying they, referring to, you know, our lawmakers who yeah. have the power to change these things. Um, because, blow your minds here, uh, very much in Florida, it is, it's in our Constitution, in fact, that um, the clerks of court, um, their court-related functions um, and certain court... Um, pieces as well be funded by particularly fees. It says fees um, because fines are fines are levied um, for the crime you committed. Fees are your essentially user fees for, you know, you're in this like like you have like, you you know, it was your choice to be in the criminal justice system. And whether so, innocent or guilty, right? Whether innocent or guilty. Yes, because there is a there's a fifty dollar fee that you pay to apply for your public defender. Oh, wow. And then you pay for your public defender. So if you look, you know, in the Constitute, the United States Constitution that talks about indigent um, folks and having representation, it's not free here in Florida. Mm. It's, there's other places it's not either, but they you pay. That's an assessment that gets assessed. You get assessed for um, your, uh, pro- you get the cost of prosecution as well. So you pay for being prosecuted. So you, you made an interesting point earlier when you said that, you know, the the organization you work for is fairly new. And most of the time this type of work happens out of Washington, D.C. or maybe New York State. How did your organization choose to come to Florida? What makes us ground zero? <laughs> Good story. <laughs> so, so our co-directors, Lisa Foster and Joanna Weiss, uh, they, they, so they, New York State is, it, it started out with New York State and then Florida. And what they did was they looked at kind of the landscape and who was already in states working on different things. And so they did a tour. They talked to different public defenders and other folks um, in the criminal justice realm. And honestly, Florida's awful, <laughs> right? Like we... It, it's, it's a really bad situation here um, when it comes to fines and fees. So they picked Florida. Um, and I, <laughs> we joke with them um, <laughs> about, you know, we have so much job security um, because of how awful Florida is. But also we, we say to them all the time, we're like, would you come into Florida if you could, you know, make a decision again just because it is – 
so, so incredibly hard for us to get anything changed here. Um, we've had a couple successes, but overall, like we're in New York, Nevada, New Mexico, and Florida. And then we also have a national campaign. So they've ended driver's license suspension for uh, unpaid court debt in New York last year. And uh, they're decriminalizing um, things in New Mexico as well. And so they've had like all these big wins in like Florida. I'm like, <laughs> ha ha our, our bills are uh, regularly killed <laughs> and uh, dead. And so, but we've had some success in applying some pressure to the clerks of court. So um, one of the things I did first when I first started was I did a public records request to their 67 different clerks because we have 67 different counties. They're independently elected. There are 67 different payment plans for people. Wow. So one of the things that you can keep um, your license from being suspended is if you have a payment plan and you're current on those payments. But the payment plans are out of reach for people still because they're not affordable. Mm. So you have, there's a clerk in Seminole County who requires a 25% down payment. If I need a payment plan, probably yeah, can't pay 25% yeah. down. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and so it's out of reach for people. And that just blew my mind, be knowing that their funding relies on these mm. fines and fees to be collected too, mm. right? It almost seems counterproductive. Yeah. It is 100% <laughs> counterproductive. And that is, uh, you know, that is what we say all the time. Uh, my boss, Lisa Foster, she's constantly counterproductive, counterproductive, because mm. it is. And right. so we p applied enough pressure and leadership liked that idea enough because if you look at the Florida court system, they have uniform forms for everything else. So we were like why can't the clerks have a uniform yeah. payment plan for people make it simpler on them too um because a lot of times people don't just have issues in one county mm. and so um last year that passed it was actually in the clerk's bill um and so they have a uniform form this year in their bill, they have provisions to make the payment plans affordable now. Mm. So if so it progress. passes, yeah. 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 So so if Bravo. it passes, they um, the uh, minimum payment uh, it it would be uh, the payment provisions in their bill. It is twenty five dollars or two percent of what somebody owes. Yeah divided by 12 um it's their net income divided by 12 and which is already in statute um and then also it puts a cap on the uh the down payment situation not everybody requires a down payment but it puts a cap for those who do and it says that a down payment can't be more than 10 percent of what somebody owes or 100 dollars, whichever is lesser mm, yeah wow. so yeah. on the payment awesome. the monthly payment it's more it's either 25 dollars or, you know, obviously if somebody wants to pay more than $25, like they're going to let them. But yeah. it helps people who all the time they'll call and say, you know, I'm in a better situation. And I went down to the clerk's office and I can't, they're saying the minimum payment is $100 a month. And I can't afford that, but I can afford 45 mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
but they won't take it. And I'm just like, <laughs> you don't want some money. You want, right, you want no right, money. <laughs> right. Take the humanity piece out of it. If you think of it from a business perspective too, they rely on these. And so you'd, you'd rather have zero than right. Like, man, counterproductive. Right. Wow. Super. So that's in their bill. So we're supporting that. Um, but my bills are dead uh, this year. Dead. Well, I think, you know, to, to take a step back, yeah. It's an interesting look into what the the different levers and buttons are to influence decisions and influence policy because, you know, in the state of Florida, we have a legislative session every single year. Some states only have it every two years. Right. Some have it all the time, like our Congress, you know, is always in session, basically. Well, lots of recesses and right. uh, <laughs> lots of time to go home and call donors. But... Um, <laughs> I think that the idea is that it's not just the 60 days of legislative session where you have an opportunity to make progress. Right. And there are a lot of things that we do or that impact our work where it's important to know that bills at the state legislative leg you know, level matter, right? Matter in yep. incredibly. And sometimes that's a multi-year process, right? Sometimes you have to familiarize people with the situation and then you make progress through a couple of committees the following year and so more people have to listen to testimony and understand it at a personal level and then maybe the next year you can get a bill passed um, and that can be frustrating but in a way our system's built to to have that incremental progress at the same time you can now go to 67 different individual clerks of court and talk to them about their policies and their approaches. You can work through other nonprofits who might help fund those things. You know, we see all across the country different funding platforms doing, uh, you know, bail. And we see, you know, criminal justice reform in, in theory being fairly high profile, especially through professional athletes and, yep. and entertainers. Um, and so there are lots of ways to build a message and a story. And I think that's what you guys are getting really good at doing. Yeah. Yeah. We've, you know, we've tried to think outside the box and look at, um, you know, we have, you know, people working in this space with us that we're always going to be supporters. So it was looking outside the box and say, who else? So um, the Rays, for example, they have supported yeah. our work for the past two years um, as far as elevating it on their social media and working with the Players Coalition. Um, and local athletes that they have that are um, part of the Players Coalition, which is a national organization that was started by uh, fellow Floridian Anquan Bolden and then Florida Malcolm State Jenkins. Guy. Yes, yes. <laughs> throw that in there. Anquan's a Florida State guy. Yeah, yeah. So they've, you know, we've looked at that and it's also like, what's going to work here in Florida? Because what's going to work here in Florida may not work in one of our other states that we're in and vice versa. Um, and so we've really been trying to look at who are some untraditional partners. And um, I even approached Matt and was like, hey, on our driver's license work, um, you know, can would Feeding Tampa Bay, like, can we say that you all support us, um, that you're a supporter of this work because of Fresh Force, right? Right. Uh, there's just that natural connection in my mind because uh, – you know, you need a driver's license yeah. to work. And I feel like 
quite a few people in the Fresh Force program have probably experienced. In fact, I was one of the first uh, one of the first members of the first class. I interviewed her because she had experienced driver's license suspension, uh, Valencia, mm. and Valencia's story was just insane. So she um, talked about how she ended up in Fresh Force with me because she couldn't find a job that was close to where she was living at the time that wouldn't have required like a three hour round trip on multiple buses where she would have had to like walk in the dark at like 4 a.m. to get to bus one. And And the thing about Valencia is she was willing to do that yep. but it yeah. made it so hard for her to succeed succeed yeah and you know if any of us added six hours onto our work day just <laughs> to get there and back <laughs> i can't even you know that's it's mind-boggling and valencia was a rock star in our first class she mm-hmm. did everything as soon as we asked as as well as anybody else did, she turned around and helped other people through the class. She's fantastic. Yeah. Valencia is wonderful. Yeah. She was able to get an affordable payment plan and pay her um, fines and fees off and get her license back, mm. um, which was amazing. She did it after being in the Fresh Force program. Yeah. Um, you know, she, she used the money to start paying, and then she paid it off not too long after she had left um, and graduated. Yeah. And, you know, one of our partner uh, for-profit businesses has been a fantastic partner of ours is Wawa. Mm -hmm. And that's where uh, Valencia found employment and and has been incredibly successful. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there are all sorts of great stories, but we see it all the time in Fresh Force because, you know, there are folks who are trained in, in operations and logistics like Valencia, but we get a ton of applicants for commercial truck driving, people who would be fantastic in a field with huge need, and it's got nothing to do with their skill behind a wheel, but we have to reject them from that portion of our, our class. We try to find another spot for them, but if they're passionate about driving a truck, which yeah. is incredible. I mean, look at what's going on in our world right now yeah, with the impact that truck drivers have on everyday things that we deal with and, mm-hmm. and our ability to get food or anything else. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't be part of that because their license was suspended. Right. This podcast was made possible by the innovative thinking and the funding of Feeding America a nationwide network of more than 200 food banks that feed more than 46 million people through food pantries, soup kitchens, shelters, and other community-based agencies. And most licenses in, so I I love data. I'm a data nerd. I think Matt <laughs> knows that about me. And uh, so I've been able to just totally nerd out on data in my current position. And one of the things that I think is so telling is that th- if you look at the number of notice suspension notices that are issued, so 72%, and it, it, it goes between about 72 and 74% um, on average of the notices issued for driver's license suspensions by the FLHSMV, which is the DMV, <laughs> um, they, they, it's for uh, failure to pay. It's not dangerous driving. Yeah. 72%. So it's, there's about 1.6 million 
notices, suspension notices that are issued in a year, and like 1.2 of those are for failure to pay fines and fees, not dangerous driving. And that doesn't include child support. Child support's its own category. So this is literally like your parking ticket, like Mm -hmm. speeding tickets, toll violations, because if you don't pay your toll, that turns into a traffic citation. Yeah. And so criminal. um, So, yeah, that's huge. It's not, you know, we think that, you know, license suspension should be keeping dangerous drivers off the road. Yeah. But it's not... uh, because here's another fun, horrifying fact. You can, if you have a DUI, you can apply to get what's known as a hardship license that allows you to go yeah. certain places like work, church, health appointments. It specifically says in Florida statute, you cannot apply for a hardship license if your license is suspended for financial <laughs> obligation, <laughs> which is mind-blowing, right? Because yeah. we want... <laughs> Like, they weren't bad drivers. Right, right. <laughs> We're criminalizing them because they cannot pay. Yeah. And, but yet you are a dangerous driver. You got, you know, pulled over for a DUI and you can get a hardship license. Like, that, when I learned that, I was like, excuse me, what? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Financial hardship is still hardship. Like, that's, uh, that's its own thing. <laughs> so yep. basically, if you can pay your way to get out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is what it's a very, hardship license is. Yeah. yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. very much, we very much have a two tiered justice system about mm. can you pay? Can you afford? And that goes down to even diversion programs. They have, um, you can participate in different diversion programs that they may have available depending on what your offense was. But can you pay for it? Because mm. if you can't pay for it, you're going to end up in the court system and be adjudicated. Yeah. Um, if you can pay for it, you're going to get to successfully, and you successfully complete it, you're not going to have a record. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very much creates a two-tier justice system. Man. There was a, I don't, I don't remember exactly how the phrase goes, but I remember seeing somewhere like a statement that like, if the punishment for a crime is a fee, then it's a punishment for poor people. Like it's like basically yeah. like, you know, for anything, for a parking ticket, for a speeding ticket, like obviously you get points on your license for those kinds of things. But if, you know, if the ultimate consequence is you can't afford to pay for it, then like someone who has money, it's not really a punishment. You nope. know, <laughs> it's not. It's not. And you see, you know, we don't, Fines and Fees Justice Center, we don't work on bail issues. There are experts working on that. Mm -hmm. But to that point, because it's something that's currently in the news, if you set bail for someone and it's high, like $500,000, if they can afford it, regardless of what crime they committed, they're going to get out of jail. But yet you have people who are sitting there who have what would be considered probably a much lower level offense, who have a lower bail, maybe $300, they can't afford it, and they're stuck there Mm -hmm. until, and a lot of times people will take a plea deal just to get out of jail because they can't afford it. But So that kind of speaks to that because obviously the person who has a $500,000 bail probably did something (laughs) that's more related to public safety than the person who has the $300 bail who cannot afford to get out of jail. And that's another (laughs) example of how it's two-tier justice. Right. Lots and lots of work to be done. (laughs) A lot to think about. So I'm sure that uh, you you and Chris over dinner have lots of these conversations (laughs) and he gets to hear the data. uh, But tell us, if you 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 need to unload something like that and you just want to be comforted by some awesome food, Uh 
Where do yeah, you go? What is what do you, what's, <laughs> where do you what's go? The food? So I had to think about this because you knew we were going to ask. I knew you were going to ask, and I didn't want to give the same. I kind of have two things that are equal, and I didn't want to go down the same route that Ian went down because <laughs> I'm also a fan of tacos. There's nothing wrong with that. I think it's, okay. a, I think it's probably yeah. an Oklahoma thing, but next to tacos, right up there next to it, I love mac and cheese. Yeah. Mm. Mac uh, and cheese. These two just... Okay. And yep. I don't discriminate. It goes from <laughs> easy mac to, like, fancy mac, mm-hmm. like lobster <laughs> mac and cheese. There is, like, no... Like, I just love... I mean, I have a cookbook that so, is just mac and cheese. So you're not a macaroni purist? You're cool if it's, like, cavatappi or... Oh, yeah. If it's pasta and cheese. Yeah. She just said yeah. the just box. Pasta she she could go from the yeah. box... Yeah. It could be shells. It could be Velveeta shells and cheese. Yes. It could be... Like, okay. like I've decided, I'm fairly certain that, she, like, I love Chick-fil-A's mac and cheese. Oh, it's so good. I'm mm. fairly certain yeah. that it's, like, it reminds me of Stouffer's frozen mac Ooh, and cheese. That was a very popular item in my house growing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Like, if I, you haven't checked it out, check it out. I'm yeah. pretty <laughs> sure. If I if I made the Cracker Barrel mac and cheese twice a day, my 15-year-old would eat it twice a day. He'd oh, probably wow. eat it four times a day. Just but, mac and cheese diet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. absolutely oh, I love it. loves it. So here's, if we're going to talk mac and cheese, there's a really important question to ask. Okay. Are you a hot sauce person? No. Oh. Not at all. Do you? This is a new dimension oh. I am not even familiar oh, with. Oh, yeah. Chris is, Chris will throw like yeah. extremely, he put, has a collection. Put some Louisiana hot sauce on it. Oh. Or, yeah. Dang. He, he oh, will yeah. partake in that. I am, uh, I can't hack it when it comes to spicy stuff. Same. He like, yeah, he <laughs> pours it on, pours it on. Does he have a little holster? He brings his hot sauce with him to places. No, he does not. No, no, no. He does not do that. But he, no, it's he a does. Case. Oh, is that what he's yeah. Down, yeah. Yeah. It open. It's like a briefcase. Yeah. yeah. No, he does have a cabinet in yeah. our kitchen that one shelf is hot sauce, wow. and he has a few selections in the fridge wow. that he will go and tinker with to pull out. Does he present it to you like a fine wine each night? Like which yeah, hot like, sauce would you like? And you're like, oh None, no, please. I don't even What's pay the attention word for to hot this hot sauce sommelier. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That would be him. He'll be the first. He has to yes. come up with it. He hasn't figured he's, it out yet. He's definitely... Yeah, we've got to get him in here. He's definitely a connoisseur, and I have gotten him, like, special edition, like, Tabasco. Like, they had a 50th anniversary edition, like, gotten him that. Like, he, like... Wow. was like, yes. Yeah. But, yeah, he pours it on the mac and cheese. Oh, wow. Gotcha. That's crazy. I didn't know that was a thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. I thought it was fancy I for, like, not. sprinkling, you know, um, goldfish. <laughs> oh, we're we're going to have to have a whole conversation, because you can go, like, are you a crystal person or Tabasco. Well, it depends on the food. Louisiana hot sauce. My wife loves Frank's Red Hot. There's lots of options. I feel like he doesn't discriminate. He has all of that. Like, that's that's like, it's all in our home. He goes into a place like Tijuana Flats and you're looking at tacos and he's over here at the soft bar. Yes. 100%. 100%. Like, we order Thai food and he's like, Thai hot with everything. And I'm like, level zero. That's they don't even ask wow, him anymore. Really? They, they yeah. don't wow. even ask him anymore. Like, because yeah. originally, like when we first started going to this one place, they'd be like, "Are you sure?" Yep. They don't. They like they know us now, so like they don't. They don't question him when he's <laughs> like, "Tai Hot." Are you sure? That's a big deal because they they know that most Americans don't understand that right. like Tai Hot isn't really on tie our. Tai Hot like, comes it's, with a tissue. It's a different yeah. scale. Yeah. <laughs> 
it's like, just pain. It's yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There will be tears. There will yeah. be. Yeah. You can't even taste anything. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he grows habaneros in our backyard wow. and he makes smoked habanero salt. Wow. So I'm, we're going to have a whole Chris Couture podcast. Yeah, yeah we are. On the Sarah Couture podcast, I want to go back to mac and cheese. Yeah. 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 Okay. Because there's more questions here. Yeah. Ev and I could talk about <laughs> yeah, this all day. The mac and cheese. <laughs> are you a Are you a lobster mac person? Do you like any kind yeah, of? Yeah, she meats? mentioned lobster mac. Yeah, you, like what? Yeah, yeah I'll do lobster mac. Here's what I don't like. <laughs> I'm not a fan of truffles or truffle oil. Interesting. In my mac and cheese. Huh. But pretty much, a, I will. I will even she's a go. Woman like, of the people. That's fair. Right? Yeah. She doesn't. You said that. fancy mac, yeah. and then yeah. that includes truffle mac. <laughs> yeah, no, that is. I will not do truffle mac. I don't like truffle oil. I will even do like. Uh, I will do vegan. I have a friend who is mm. vegan, and so when we were traveling around the state, um, she actually uh, is my former boss. Um, I took over her role last year when she left us. But when we were traveling together around the state, she's vegan, and mm. so. I would eat vegan um, just because it's easier for her because I don't want to make her eat a salad all the time, right? (laughs) So I would often get mac and cheese and I became this like vegan mac and cheese connoisseur and to be like, nope, that one's not good. Like it's better here. It is, yes, 100%. I, I'm, I'm almost surprised that like Velveeta isn't technically vegan. Like how like Oreos are vegan because there's no Cause real, right. no real like milk in there. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. Velveeta is just like a yellow yes. sauce. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So when you're craving Mac, mm-hmm. is there a place you like to, I mean, you mentioned Chick-fil-A, but any other local restaurants that have one that you like or anything you want to? No, really. I like to just make it myself. Okay. Nice. Um, my grandma, uh, my maternal grandma, she, I have her recipe. Oh, wow. And uh, I think, like, she's where I got my love of cooking. And so <laughs> I remember sitting at her, she had, like, this uh, square table that it was like a eat-in kitchen. And I remember, like, sitting there eating at her table, which I now have. <laughs> and nice. it's, uh, I recently got it refinished and got some leaves made for it so it's my dining room table now so i always shoot her recipe is kind of my default yeah it's really basic nice nothing fancy doesn't need to be nope (laughs) but if i'm like out and i'm like "Mm, mac and cheese Mm -hmm. chick-fil-a is my spot interesting i would not have expected that not like from you, just in general. Like I don't. It got <laughs> it's like rele- my first thought when I think it of got released when I was still here because uh, there uh, Matt, myself, and Clarissa Rain have a like weird Chick Fil A like <laughs> love. They have really oh, yeah. good tea, sweet tea. There's nothing yep. weird about they it. They have a great <laughs> kale salad too. Yeah. Little kale side salad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love that kale salad. <laughs> Can't say I've had that. It's very good. Yeah. But yeah. The mac and cheese got released when I was still here, and I remember we were like, oh, yeah, we got mac and cheese. It all tastes testing. They've been on lunch for like three hours. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> there's not one close here, Ed. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, there's nothing really the close here. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not in Chick-fil-A. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> well, Sarah, how can our listeners help mm-hmm. with fines and fees? What can we do? to help support you because clearly you've opened our eyes to a lot. Um, Personally, I've experienced that. That's Mm -hmm. an offline conversation. Mm -hmm. Don't want to go out there, but there is a mugshot (laughs) from when I was 20. Oh, no. Out there if you search hard (laughs) enough. Record scratch. (laughs) (laughs) Um, How can we help? 
Yeah, so I think just reaching out um, to Florida lawmakers right now and letting them know that this is a personal pain, um, we've seen some progress through that tactic. Um, mm-hmm. Sharing our work on social media is really okay. big for us, just educating Floridians who don't know that this is happening, okay. but it's happening, um, is the biggest thing. Um, but yeah, we, ha- we have some lawmakers who we've seen some movement with them because constituents have reached out to them and said, nice. hey, this is my yeah. situation. This is how this is impacting me. And they've, you know, come and come to us, come to our lobbyist and said, hey, you know, I want to work on this because mm. so-and-so reached out to me mm. and shared their story. So okay. sharing story of how you've been impacted. Yeah. Okay. Yes, and how yeah. do they get a hold of you? Mm. Yeah, so our website is or Twitter. I'm big on Twitter, but yes. as a so true. Yes, true. So <laughs> I always give the disclaimer and it's in my uh it's in my bio at the top. Like you get a mix of criminal and social justice reform and a lot of a lightning. Lot of Tampa Bay <laughs> yes. lightning. A lot of Tampa Bay lightning. A lot of hockey lightning. That's funny. <laughs> uh, when the Bucks are playing, you get some Bucks mixed yeah. in. And a little bit of Rays. A little bit of Rays, but it's <laughs> but predominantly yeah. Tampa Bay lightning. Get a lot so of hockey. I'll get that. Hockey and heart. Yes. Yeah. I'll get that. Um, put that disclaimer out there. But yeah, so my Twitter handle is at Miss Couture 217. Like MS Couture? Or like no, MRS. MRS. Oh, yeah, sure. since I'm married to mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> you can tell I set and my Twitter up after we got married. And because I mistyped your email approximately 7,412 times True. while you were here, spell out your last name so folks know. It is C-O-U-T-U-R-E. Actually, uh, we'll the, put that in the notes yeah, so we can yeah. have them reach yeah. right out to and, you. Yeah, the right. UTU part always gets me. <laughs> yeah. And am I? Uh, well, I hope I feel like you need to figure that out because if you <laughs> haven't, you're going to be uh, up a creek That's with some IT, IT problems. problems, right? Yeah. Right. But I think he's helped. He's helped us at feeding Tampa Bay. I just walk over Don't. to his desk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, there you go, that too. Yeah, yeah. send him a Zoom message. Yeah. He responds. <laughs> but yeah. And then he says, turn it off and yeah. turn it back on. Again. <laughs> yeah, he does. That's his favorite. So that so he's I'm now like well versed mm-hmm. in that like I work from home, so I don't. He he's my IT, mm. so yeah. he's you know here three days a week, and so if something goes wrong, like he, I have learned to turn it off <laughs> and turn it on again oh, yeah. before I call him now. Oh, yeah. That's why he's um, got it tattooed in calligraphy. Down his I was going to say that's no, a T-shirt. He, he sent me that. He sent me the. I forget the name of the the skit, but it's it's there's a whole skit, and yeah. it's there, and it's like, hi, IT. Have you turned it off? Have you turned it on again? It's I forget what show yeah. it is. Yeah, I think it's but an SNL. He started yeah, sending me that. Like every yeah. time. Yes. Yeah. So now I know. Yep. So hopefully you figure that out. But my um, we'll have my email up. It's super long, but it it's s couture at findsandfeesjusticecenter.org. Wow. Yes. Get a hold of her on that Twitter. You'll have a much yeah. better time. Yeah. Check the show notes. Our, <laughs> yep. our, our website is findsandfeesjusticecenter.org. There's a lot of information about uh, all different issues, not just driver's license suspension reform. We're getting into other reforms now at this point that have to do with fines and fees. And so there's that. Our national campaign, each state campaign has a their own page. So you can see what Florida's up to, what Nevada's up to, nice. New Mexico, New York. 
Well, so. but Florida is your state. So if Florida you're having is problems my state. with yes. fines and fees and you have a story to share, reach yep. out to you. Mm. Yeah, and we have a contact form on the website too that Perfect. you can fill out. Nice. Bring about change. Thank you so much, Sarah. Yes, thank you all for having me. It was a blast. Absolutely. I miss you guys. Yeah. And if you haven't read our blog, Sarah is our guest blogger. Go to our website and we'll have that link for you too. And do remember if you have something to say about the show or if we can help you in any way, please message us and let us know your thoughts. Mm -hmm. We appreciate every single message and word that you have. See you next time. You can learn more about Feeding Tampa Bay and how to join the movement at feedingtampabay.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Feeding Tampa Bay.